I'm Carol Coletta, and this is Night Cities. As American cities fill with new and smaller households, school populations are shrinking, and that means a lot of closed schools and communities with no idea how to repurpose them. Enter Lindsay Scanapico, principal with Scout LLC, and now the enthusiastic developer at Technical School in South Philadelphia. It is a mammoth undertaking, an eight-story, 340,000-square-foot hulk of a building with two gyms, one of the city's largest auditoriums, science labs, a commercial kitchen, and more. We talked to Lindsay about her plans for the building and her Night City's Challenge award-winning project. Lindsay, describe the Edward Box School in its current condition. The Edward Box School is currently closed. It closed in June 2013, so it's just coming up about on its two-year anniversary of being closed, uh, and it's it's currently empty and an, an unused. Uh, we've started to see people repurposing the spaces around the building, but the building itself has been has been closed to the community for two years. And what was the Edward Box School? So the Edward Box School was a vocational high school in South Philadelphia. It opened uh, to students in 1938 and taught a wide variety of different trades, everything from hairdressing to carpentry to electricians, um, plumbing stacks, uh, auto mechanic shops. You know, really, really was a vocational school. And so a lot of that infrastructure and equipment remains in the building, uh, which is quite incredible. Describe the neighborhood that the school sits in. So it's in a very diverse neighborhood. Um, South Philadelphia has historically been uh, the Italian and Irish immigrant community. Today that is primarily actually a Southeast Asian immigrant community. Uh, We are in a neighborhood where I think within a one-block radius, 50% of the households speak a language other than English in their homes. The school across the street, there's an elementary school, and within that school, 100% of the students there are considered economically disadvantaged. But interestingly, we're also five blocks from a street called East Pass Young Avenue, which was rated by Food and Wine magazine to be one of the top 10 foodie streets in America. So it's really, it's a changing neighborhood with a really diverse population with a lot of diverse needs. You've said that you want to do box school as a private development because you want to have complete complete control and be able to realize a holistic vision for the project. What is your vision for the project? Well, I don't know if you can ever have complete control. <laughs> I don't think that's how life works, unfortunately or fortunately. But um, our vision for the project is to take this infrastructure, take this history of making, learning, doing, training, building, and think about what that could mean uh, and how those facilities could keep being used today. So our vision is to create a new center for makers, creatives, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and a variety of people who can keep making, doing, training, working, building in that building. And using, you know, whether it's a, 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 an old culinary training lab or a, an old wood shop and actually see value in that existing infrastructure and equipment. Do you plan to uh, rent space to the kinds of people you just described? That's exactly right. So we've already started to talk to some really exciting people and 
trying to, you know, I think with a building of this scale, it's 340,000 square feet, it's eight stories, it's never going to be one thing. And I think that's that's a good thing. I don't think it would be actually appropriate. It takes up an entire city block. So thinking about the diversity, the range of users, and actually curating an environment where there's a, there's a shared appreciation of both the history of the building, but also that, that making culture, that the co-working culture, the entrepreneurial culture can, can be embraced and shared amongst the, the various tenants in the building, we think is really important. The renovation and reuse of an aging 340,000-square-foot building would intimidate most experienced developers, not you. I think you're younger than 30. Why are you not intimidated <laughs> by this? Oh, I am, Carol. <laughs> it's quite the undertaking in those days where – um, I, I think, you know, part of our, I guess, naivete, for lack of a better word, also, I think, was what allowed us to not probably be as scared about it as another developer would, and also to approach it a bit differently, I think, than another developer would. Uh, this was an open bid process that the uh, Philadelphia Industrial Development Corporation ran, and my understanding is that a lot of the other bids they saw were what you typically see to convert it into to condos or to residential. And we really thought, you know, well, how can how can this be used? Actually, what there is what is there is valuable, um, and what is there is, is quite incredible, actually, some of this infrastructure. And so we approached it with a different way, and I think that's actually something really valuable uh, that we can bring to the table is, is a bit of uh, wide eyes, uh, you know, and excitement, and, uh, and, and probably not having all that experience can be a bit helpful. But I think at the same time, we've also surrounded ourselves by very established uh, you know, consultants, experts, advisors in the field, and they bring many, many, many more years of expertise than I have and are making sure that we actually stay on track and get this project delivered. Nevertheless, people must tell you you're crazy to take this on. What's your risk in the project? Yeah, so, I mean, my risk is it's various levels. It's uh, Obviously, there's economic risk and putting equity into the project. Uh, and then I think there's, you know, social, political, uh, and, and personal risk just in uh, really, I think, sacrificing a lot of, you know, time, energy, goodwill, and, and spirit into the project. Uh, and I hope that that all is worthwhile. I believe it will be. And I believe at the end we'll have a really great piece of the city stitched back into this community, and it will be a wonderful asset, resource, and, and life on, on the city block. Before you moved back to Philadelphia, you worked and lived in London. Are there, are there projects around the, the country or around the world that you've seen that inspired you on the box school, inspired your vision for the box school? Yes. So there's there's a few. So I am when I was in London, I was working on a lot of kind of how to unlock vacant, challenging spaces, and so that was very informative in in getting to to a project like the Box School. Uh, but we also saw examples of this that that we felt were really really valuable. And so one is uh, in Amsterdam. There was a giant uh, wharf. Uh, I think it's called. I have to look it up. It's a uh, I don't have it off the top of my head. But it was this incredible, I think it was 500,000 square feet, just a, you know, a really massive space, the NDSM Amsterdam. Uh, it's a ship wharf. And what they actually enabled was quite informal temporary activity to start to 
take on that space. And and what that really led to was creating um, a really viable, vibrant community in the long run. And so they, they, they couldn't take the risk of kind of taking on the whole piece of the pie, so started to actually activate it, ignite it, and start to build a community there that could actually grow and take on the space. And I think that's something that we very much are keeping in our our mind's eye and, and being inspired for it, Bach. There's also a great project called the White Building in London that I worked on uh, right opposite the Olympic Park, which had a microbrewery in it as well as affordable workspaces above uh, that took a, a disused building but really you know, activated it and, and used its existing infrastructure and that actually quite simple treatments uh, can translate to more affordable space that is more open to interpretation uh, by the community that then that then grows in it, and they have more of a stake in it, which I think is really important. There are a lot of empty school buildings in cities all across America. <laughs> what, what can others learn from your experience to date? I think in our work, one of the things that we really try to do is look at context. So there's no point in trying to shove a uh, you know, a, a square through a round hole and really actually looking at what's there. So this school had a lot of infrastructure. It had a lot of equipment. And our question to ourselves was how can we use that? Other schools, they might not have that. So it might not make sense actually to build that in. Uh, it, it's hard to build in the amount of, of gas and plumbing or, you know, we have concrete floors, we have heavy uh, load capacity elevators. That sort of infrastructure we found a lot of value in. And so whatever their assets are, I just think that people can find value in them. And in some cases that might mean that a residential product is more appropriate. In this context it wasn't. But I think looking at that context and also looking at that community and looking at what's lacking or what's needed there are are incredibly important in in both probably doing something that actually works in the building, um, but also something that'll be appreciated and, and that I think people get really excited by the idea of, of acknowledging value in something that's otherwise been disregarded. Lindsay, you are a Night Cities Challenge winner, and the your winning entry is at the Box School. Tell me what you're doing. Yeah, so we are working to design what we call the South Philly Stoop, which is a public living room. So Edward Bach, the namesake of the Edward Bach Vocational School, was this incredible guy. He was the editor of Ladies Home Journal for over 25 years and had a profound effect on American domestic architecture. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt actually said that no man had ever had more of an impact um, on the architecture of an entire nation than Edward Bach. And one of the things that he did is he actually came up with the term living room. So prior to Edward Bach, we only had a drawing room. So he has this great quote, we have what is called a drawing room, just whom or what it draws. I've never been able to tell unless it draws attention to too much money and no taste. And so we really thought that was uh, quite funny, and we liked the idea of a democratic, casual space that perhaps wasn't as uptight as the drawing room. And we started to think about actually what that would mean in the public realm. What would it mean if you took what you do in your living room and you considered how that could actually be approached uh, on the exterior of the building? So when we talk about public realm, we are always talking about spaces for people to, to sit, to watch. And actually how we could build that in and, and really push this idea of a public living room. So what we've proposed for the Night Cities Challenge is to work with this adjacent elementary school, Southwark School, 
which has, I believe, 12 different languages spoken amongst its students. They have six full-time translators on staff of six different distinct languages that are officially spoken in the school. So every single flyer, for example, gets translated in those six languages. And we're working with those students to understand what a living room means to them. And I think what's really interesting about that is, is A, different cultures use living rooms in quite different ways. Uh, but then it's also, an, it's also an opportunity for this community-led design process to, to occur and for actually this site immediately across the street uh, to, to actually be a part of their life and, you know, it to be their living room. And so understanding, is it a place for you to, to wait or to watch or to share or to gossip or to tell stories? And that, that's part of another piece of the, the project is that we are going to have StoryCorps uh, come to South Philadelphia. They haven't come to Philadelphia in over five years. And to capture the stories of South Philadelphia, which we think are so important, particularly during this very changing period in that, in that neighborhood's history. Did you grow up in the neighborhood? I didn't grow up in South Philadelphia, although my grandparents did, so that's kind of my, I, I get a, a bit of a claim to fame on that. They got married at the, the local church down the street, but um, I, was, I was born in Philadelphia, not in South Philadelphia, actually closer to North Philadelphia, uh, and then we moved out to, the, to a sub, suburban community called New Hope, which is about 45 minutes out of the city uh, when I was about six. That was quite a changing neighborhood then. Uh, now it's very nice, but uh, the story goes that I picked up a syringe on the street and that uh, they, my parents, who always thought they would be urban dwellers, uh, gave up on that, that mission. But uh, I, so I'm from Philadelphia, know the city very well, but I've been gone for about 10 years. So I just came back last summer and took on this project, which has been a wonderful way to, to get to know the city again. And I just think Philadelphia is in such an interesting time in its history. It's the fastest-growing city in America for millennials. Uh, we're in this uh, really interesting place and location between D.C. and New York. Uh, the city offers a, a lot of affordability. We have this huge contingency of university students. There's just a lot of opportunity here, and so we think that Bach is really interestingly positioned uh, to be a part of this change. What's the timeline for the project, Lindsay? So for the Night Cities project, we are looking, so we're doing the engagement session starting in June with the elementary school at South Fork, and, uh, and we'll be hoping to start to do the construction on that site starting this fall and to hopefully have that facility open for next spring for the local residents. Uh, the building as a whole, we have some, although it's in great condition um, as a whole, we do have some building upgrades to do, so we'll also be starting those this fall, and that's about an 18-month construction timeline. Well, it is a spectacular building, and I think you have courage. I, I, love, I love what you're doing. I love what you're taking on, not only for you, but for the city. And so thanks very much for being our guest today on Night Cities. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. Lindsay Scanapico is a Night Cities Challenge winner and developer of the Edward Box School in South Philadelphia. You can follow us on Twitter at hashtag Night Cities and at Coletta. Sign up for our newsletter at nightfoundation.org forward slash podcast to get the five things you need to know from this interview and others. You've been listening to Night Cities. I'm Carol Coletta.